Sherry Stevens, welcome. I feel so honored and blessed. As you know, you are one of my mentors. I know you're very much a behind the scenes kind of gal, but you are a change maker. You are somebody that is really changing the landscape for women. And I so applaud you and appreciate everything you're doing. Uh, you're the owner of the Women's Executive Network. And I know you have an incredible story. And I am very fortunate to be speaking with you. Or I feel very fortunate to be speaking with you today because you have really been behind the scenes. Being <laughs> an investigator, I couldn't find too much on you. And short of, you know, coming there and following you, which wouldn't give us your amazing history. I am thrilled that you're starting to talk about your journey. Thank you. Yeah, it's time. Uh, you know what? It's you're time. welcome. So I understand you sort of just started chatting about your journey and where where you are today. Do you mind if, you know, you share with our listeners, for those of you who don't know who Sherry is, would you mind just telling us a little bit sort of where you kind of started and maybe what you wanted to do when you were growing up? Because I was laughing at uh, reading uh, that you went uh, to the School of Hard Knocks. Love that. <laughs> I love your sense of humor. And then uh, I think you went for travel and tourism and mm -hmm. you did not go there. So do you mind just to share a little bit with us? Sure, absolutely. Well, that was a long time ago, but um, yeah, my goal when I was actually when I was seven years old, I'm a very determined <laughs> young girl. I want to be a flight attendant. Wow. That was all I needed to do. Now, how that came about um, was kind of out of a, a bad situation. Um, and I think as we go through life, we have to look at those situations and see, you know, what are we learning from them and how do we, how do we move forward from them all, all the time, right? We just, you just can't stop and, and not move forward. So how do you deal with those fears? Right. So when I was five years old, my father um, passed away. Oh, I'm sorry. And it was it was pretty tragic. He was uh, it was 1967. He had uh, manic. He was manic depression depressive. Um, he had bipolar, and he could be very violent when he wasn't on his what I used to call his little girl happy pills. Oh, right. So, there was one particular night where mom actually had to, she's a very strong woman and she's 94. She, she oh. yeah, she is my, my strength. And, and I just, my role model. And I love that. I have an 87 year old mom and I'm the same. It's a blessing there. And I'm sure she, your mom is very strong. So there was, sorry to interject. So one it's night okay. she, so one night my father was having um, a violent attack um, and we, she actually pulled me out of the bed. It was really dark at night and we, she actually put me in her arms and she carried me and she ran all the way to the little town that was about two miles from our home Aww. just to find safety. And when, when he wasn't, when he was on his pills, he was an amazing man. You know, he was very creative, almost an inventor of sorts. And so what happened is because of the fear um, that we had, we didn't know, 
you know, how he was going to react next. We moved into an apartment. So mom moved out of the house into an apartment. Is it just the two of you? Is it yeah, just my, I have, um, I have sister and two brothers, but they were already gone. I'm the youngest. My, um, of four. My oldest, of four. Yeah. My oldest brother is 10 years older than me. So they were already out of the house Got because it. of the situation. And, um, so mom rented an apartment, uh, in Woodstock, Ontario. And we went and we, we lived there and, you know, as when you're younger, there's certain things that, that you remember. And I remember this one day, it's like a, it's like a motion picture just running in my head. I could, I remember every single detail we were, I was in the tiny apartment. I was sitting in my pajamas. I was at the kitchen table having my peanut butter on toast. And I was about ready to go to school. It was like, I think it was like September 5th or something, the first day of school. You remember so much detail. I love that. It was, <laughs> this was one of your aha or changing moments. If you Yeah, it was a change. That, vivid, that vividly, love it. Okay. Yeah, and she was making me my lunch. And then there came a knock at the door and two policemen came in. And they, and then I just saw my mom. She was just, she just broke right down. They took her to this chair in our living room. And it was this yellow brocade flower chair. This is really important. <laughs> it's the chair that my dad used to snuggle with me in and read to me. And she sat down on that chair and she started to just cry like hysterically. And then she fell off the chair and I didn't know what was going on. I really didn't understand what was going on. They picked her up and put her back on the chair my uncle came and got me and took me away. Um, my father had actually passed away. So he had escaped from the institution and he was about, he was, he was on our, on the way to our home. Like we had put him back in the institution because he needed to have some, he needed help. Right. Of and course. he escaped and he was about probably, I would say another couple of miles from our home. And he, they found him on a railroad track. So we don't know if he just laid down, was tired, or if it was intentional. So that's that was a very defining moment in my mom's life and in my life. Um, I didn't learn until years later kind of what had happened to him that night. And so what so this takes us to this this next part of our story is my mom was pretty sad obviously and my oldest brother said mom I'm taking you to the Bahamas let's go so <laughs> he was kind of her you know knight in shining armor at that point in time and he took her to the Bahamas and she loved she'd never traveled before and she wow. loved traveling so when she came back she goes Sherry next time we go I'm going to take you with me and we'll call it it's our little adventures and we still have little adventures today. We always call them our little adventures. I love that. Oh. So she would take me to the islands, right? And it was the first time on a plane. And I sat there and I was just enamored by the flight attendants. So that, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a flight attendant. Well, yes, I'm sure they were so kind. And, you know, you being so little, because how old were you when you first went on your adventure? Seven. I was seven. Seven. Wow. Yeah. Look at that. And it left such a big impact on you 
that you wanted to become a flight attendant. But how funny that as you're saying this, aside from all the hair standing up on my arms, uh, it it still seems like just because I know the ending, right? It's like when you read the end of a book, not that this is even close to your ending, but sort of up to present, it seemed like even then you were sort of about lifting others. Of course, you had your own feelings, right? But you were about lifting your mom because you saw the incredible sadness that she had within her, right? Mm -hmm. And it seemed like you wanted to lift lift that sadness regardless of how you did it. And in your mind, it was you were going to go and be a flight attendant and get discounts or free flights or whatever the case may be. Do you think that's sort of why you think that started like that? I think it was, I, I probably didn't know at the time, but I'm, I like adventures. I'm, I get bored very easily. And I think it was just this, this glam, this, world that I'd never seen before, right? This going to different places, right? Being able to just fly away. Oh, <laughs> right. Just to do a, maybe to escape. I don't know. I was, just, I was seven years old. I don't, you know, it, it wasn't really looking at it that way, but I, I knew exactly what I wanted to be when I was seven. And ever since I was seven, I would I would write to the airlines, right? I would go to the library. I would get books on what I needed to do to become a flight attendant. You know, what was, because there were height restrictions and weight restrictions back then, right? Like there were no ESA laws or diverse oh, equity <laughs> inclusion, right? It was, you had to be a certain height and a certain weight. If you were over that weight or you didn't meet that height restriction, you didn't become a flight attendant, right? So here I am like seven, I keep, mom, how high am I? <laughs> What's my height this year? Mom, what's my me. Take my weight. Exactly. <laughs> that is that yeah. is adorable. And so did you ever become a flight attendant? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I I actually went to Seneca College and that was the, the travel and tourism. So I took a course called Flight Services. Oh, wonderful. And there were about 1,500 applicants and they were only taking 50 for the course. And I was fortunate enough, but I always, you know, women, I think it's really important that, you know, they say, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't sweat the details. I disagree completely. Oh, I think we have to, because I, most people don't, right. So you, you don't stand out. You're not unique. You don't, you don't look like you want that job or that you want to be awarded that project in your business or that contract right oh, so, that. so you kind I of flipped sweat. it and you're saying you flipped it and said do focus on the small yeah. stuff and the details when you are going for something don't just kind of jump into it and say oh I don't know it'll figure itself right. out some just things are okay to be like that, but you're more like, you know what? I want the details. I want to stand out. I want to see them to see how exceptional I am. Right. Is that, is that sort of what yes. you're saying? I love yeah. that. That's, that's yeah. such a different message than what's been sort of streaming through everywhere. Right. They're saying, Oh, don't sweat the small stuff, but I like your spin on it because it is attention to detail. It is. I believe that sort of got yeah. you to the level where you're at. And so then you decide to do sort of a 360 and go into a completely different business. Do tell. 
So the flight attendant thing didn't work out all everything that I did to get there. And then I hated it. Like I absolutely hated it. And I was devastated. So I have been living in Toronto for eight years. Um, I moved out of Toronto, broke up with my, my fiance boyfriend at the time, um, went home, no money, no man, no job, 1990 recession, had no idea what I was going to do. So here I am in my pajamas again. In my pajamas again. I love that. Okay. Sitting on my mom's couch in her apartment. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. And she uh, probably loved it. You guys probably had the best girl. Yeah. But, anyways, okay. And we did. And I had my dog, Misty. Misty, um, yeah. Which I, I'd had I'd had him since I was 13. And uh, he must have been 100 years old by then. <laughs> so. oh, French poodle, I think. Yeah. Right? The French poodle, Misty. Yes. And what, so. who, okay, I got to just stop you because when, before we started this for the listeners who are not going to get the blooper version, is and we don't have a blooper version but <laughs> we said oh i my dogs are probably gonna bark and my answer was like oh good because i love just the reality of it all so do you have french poodles now or what do you have no. one or two or who do you have no, now? we have four dogs oh um, i love it what and kind? they're shelter dogs they're from they're from a shelter in mississippi god yep. bless you you are just you are just that person aren't you I love that. You know, I, I want, there's some shows that, you know, and it's not about the shows, but just some reality shows of people that actually do rescues. I can't even watch them. I'm just, you know, I, know. I want to go, go and take them all. And that, you know, we've never, because I've had young kids, doesn't really matter. I, I have one dog, uh, but our next dogs uh, will be rescue dogs. I think it's just They're such the best. a gift. They're the best right and so what kind do you mind if i do you know what kind they are are they kind of mixed yeah they're mixed a lot of lab in them yeah and their I ages range that. from 12 years to one one year old oh and the 12 year old the one year old oh no you're so brave and see that's why i have a frenchie and everybody's like oh and all my friends that have frenchies they all have two and i'm like okay i've got four boys plus my husband, plus my mom, plus, plus, plus. I'm like, I don't even want a goldfish. But like you said, my dog doesn't like, I don't want to say doesn't like other dogs, but she's like sort of territorial. So I don't know. So what do you do when they're kind of, because probably the little one wants to play with the big one, right? Yeah, yeah, she does. And and because she knows that the the oldest one doesn't really like her, she tries, she tries harder, harder. She tries harder and it doesn't work. <laughs> Oh my God bless. Right. Oh, I love that. And, you know, I know not everybody is a dog or an animal or a cat person, but I just have this bond with people that are animal people because you know what they really are, you know, sort of going into what the amazing things you're doing now, you're giving a voice to sort of the voiceless, right. And animals, most of them, even ones that have been severely abused, there is just such an unconditional love or a need to be loved and to be heard and to be seen. And God bless you. You have four. You are a brave soul. Let me tell you. <laughs> it's fun. I don't know what I do without them. It's fun. I know. Yeah, I we don't know. have children, right? So they they are our children. Um, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I have children and it's so funny because, <laughs> but I have all boys. I have the four boys. So when I, and oh, I the girl dog. So I come home with all this pink and these little outfits and the kids are like, 
I remember when you used to come home with gifts for us, but ever since you got that, <laughs> and I'm like, yes, because she can wear pink and you can't. That's it was just funny. Fun. But oh yeah, there. You know what? Because no matter what, they're always there for you. They love you. You walk yeah. in. They don't give you lip back. Well, sometimes, but you know, love, love, love you have rescue dogs. And so you are now giving this up. You're in your mom's apartment. Yeah. Not knowing what I'm going to do next. Have no clue because I didn't prepare for anything else. Right. Just wanted to be a flight attendant. That was your dream. dream It was realized. Right. It's okay. It was realized. And I came to understand that you know, that's the positive that came out of this situation is that you actually achieved that goal. Now, stop feeling sorry for yourself and focus. What's your next goal? What do you want to do with your life? Did you hear ladies um, stop feeling sorry for yourself and say next is what I'm love that it's hard to do, but love that mindset. Okay. And I'm very faith-based. So I, I rely a lot on and on God and and what his purpose is for my life as well. So that was a very big part of how I moved forward during that time frame. So your spirituality, you really turn to your faith and, and doesn't matter what you call it, God, the universe, or whoever's, you know, what, uh, listening right now, you have to have sort of not have to, it is very helpful in life to have the foundation of some it kind grounds of, you. It, gr- yes, it does ground you. agree. Okay. So, so I, I hadn't been grounded for probably the eight years I was in Toronto, but when I came home, I kind of rededicated my life. I became very grounded and then I just kind of prayed and I waited and then an epiphany came to me and when I was in Toronto, I had worked at a staffing service. Mm -hmm. A major one. And so I thought, well, that's what I'm going to do here then. I'm in Woodstock. It's a small town. It's like 30,000 people. There must be a staffing service here. So I went and there was only one. I thought, why is there only one? Where's their competition? Yeah. Like, So I said, you know what? I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know what this means, but I'm going to start my own company. And I'm going to start this staffing service. So you so, didn't have all the small details though at that point. So I love the no, so that that's the, that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like I'm a I'm a risk taker, so I don't wait until I have everything lined up perfectly. That's what so I'm saying. That, it's neat. That's kind of a yeah. You it's combine different. the two, which no, I'm just saying and for you know, people that are either in the midst of changing uh their career or their path or their journey. I love the fact that you don't have to be just a, you know, okay, well, this is the way that I am. You can bind the two and they really complemented each other because when it served you to be really detail oriented, you did. But when you wanted to take that risk, you're like, I, it sounds like I believe in me, I'm choosing me and I'm going to go forward because I know I'm going to work it out. Right. I love that, Sherry. So then you decide I'm going to be the competition. And then what happens? So I got my business cards. I knew in the day when those cards. mattered. Yes, I love that. And I thought, what's my, what's the focus going to be in the business at first stopping? You know, am I going to do uh, industrial, administrative? Like, what's where's my focus first? So my focus first was because what I knew um, was administrative work. 
So um, I had taken typing all the way through high school. So I, I and I worked as an executive assistant in Toronto. So I knew what that entailed, what you know, the skills necessary. So I bought a hundred dollar typewriter. I read that. I love the fact that you <laughs> bought a typewriter. Yeah. Bought a typewriter because the computers weren't really a thing. Yeah, this is 1990. And yeah. I went and I dug up my old typing test from high school. And I started to create, you know, policies and procedures around how it was going to recruit and test these women and men for these positions. And that's how it started. Um, my brothers let me kind of answer their phones at their car dealership. They had a used car dealership. So I'd answer their phones in the morning and I would do my interviewing in the afternoons and I'd go out on sales calls in the afternoon as well. Wow. I had no clue what I was doing. Like you none. Hustled. You hustled and you're that personable uh, soul that people sort of gravitate towards, right? That's sort of what I see. I think, you know, even look at today, people are not buying into businesses. They're buying into the founders and the CEOs yes. and the people behind the business. So that's sort of how I see your success there. Would you say so? Or I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, I believe so. I think I'm, I'm relatable to people I, because I, I am, I know I'm down to earth. I know I'm not, you know, this is who I am. This is, and I'm, I'm very compassionate. I'm a very caring person. And I think that probably shows through in the conversations that I have with, especially with women, especially, especially right now, you know, even on zoom, you, there's, there's, there's always a connection. You, you can always find um, a connection with somebody. There's always something that you will have in common and you just have to find it. That is so true. And such amazing insight because a lot of times people, you know, and it doesn't matter if they're anxious, they have anxiety, or they're like, well, I want to call these clients, but I don't really know what to say. And I get a lot of that from people too. And I think, you know, if you just, if you're organic, if you're, like you said, kind, if you're compassionate, the conversation will come. Somehow women always bond over something. I mean, doesn't matter yeah. if it's kids, dogs, business, parents, um, like elderly parents. Yeah, everything. yeah, we've got yeah. this, like this sort of, to me, it's a superpower to be mm -hmm. able to connect to each other. And it really is that bond of a group of women, which we're going to get into in a moment, mm -hmm. that really does take everybody and elevates everybody to the next level. So we're in now recruiting and you did some amazing things with that company. Like amazing. If you want to brag, here's your chance. If not, I'm going to brag for you. Please do. So just so you know, it. I don't want it to make it sound like it was easy because it wasn't. And I don't make it sound like I didn't have fears because I did. Uh, right? So I just want to make it brighter. And uh, yeah, I know. I can't even imagine from buying a hundred dollar typewriter to where you ended up, not only, you know, working, you know, a few jobs doing this and hustling. I mean, you had to work hard and as mm -hmm. an entrepreneur and also being, you know, female, was there a lot of struggle in, was that a male predominated industry when you had started the company? So it was 
eventually. So what happened, um, because I got out and I started doing sales, I started becoming involved in the community. I, I joined the chamber. I was on chamber committees. I eventually became the uh, first female president of our chamber. And, and now, yeah. Right. And now all kinds, there's been all kinds of women that have been the presidents, which is I great. Love that. And I also joined the Human Resource Professionals Association, right? Because people will buy from people they know and who they feel comfortable with. So I wanted to make sure that I got into the community and got to know them and, and let them know that I was there to stay, that I, I was involved in the community, that I cared about the community. And then I got a call from a local automotive manufacturer, um, and they were actually starting up a facility to supply Toyota with some car parts and they called me in and they said so can you do this for us can you give us 25 production associates to start with and I I didn't know what they did I didn't know I've never been inside a manufacturing facility and I said can you give me a tour of what your your facility and they gave me a tour and I said tell me what you want tell me exactly what you want in your team members and I will get it for you. And that's how that happened. So that company grew to be one of our largest clients in Canada and the US, upwards of $15 million. Just wow. that one client. Wow. Give and take it here. But yes, yeah, so, and it, it just escalated from there. So other suppliers to Toyota said, hey, who are you using to recruit for your team members? We're using SRG. So they would call us and it just started to, um, you know, just multiply. And before I knew it, we had 10 locations in Canada. Uh, we had two locations in the U S we grew up from, you know, first year I did $18,000 to $30 million company. And then we had offshoots. We had other, and we had other offshoots. High 10, high five, all of that. I love these stories. I have the goosebumps. You are so inspiring. You see what I mean? hundred dollar investment. <laughs> of a typewriter and a woman with a vision and a mission, un unstoppable. Yeah, unstoppable. and it, I mean, it was, it was difficult. The growth was great, but it was difficult finding financing at that point in time. Cause I was very yes. young. I started my business when I was 26, right? So I was very young. I was in my thirties when it started to really take off. And we needed a, my first line of credit was a thousand dollars, right? And then we, we needed like, Eventually, we needed $500,000. We needed a million. And the bank that I was with all these years said, no, we're not going to support you anymore. We just don't see. Um, it's just too risky, pretty much. Wow. So, so what happened was, because I'd become involved in these communities and with the chamber, there was another bank executive within our chamber. And he said, I will help you. I will finance you. Wow. See, it's all about creating relationships, yeah. Sherry, all yeah. about creating relationships. That's awesome. I love mm -hmm. that. And, you know, just for our listeners, exactly what you said. I mean, you know, the, the tagline, the struggles part of the story that that's a huge struggle. And, you know, when it comes to financing, not that it's easy even today, but you found a way to make it work. And I feel like through every struggle or every obstacle, there comes growth and there comes lessons. And even through 
tragedy or in the face of something that you feel you'll never get through? Because I'm sure you went, okay, well, the bank I dealt with and I've known for years and that has all of our, you know, history has said, has said no, I guess everybody's going to say no, but you didn't do that. It sounds like you just continued down your path and you looked for other avenues, right? I did. And I also had a really great mentor. Oh, that was really important. I knew at some point in time in my business, I needed to bring somebody in to help me. Right. Cause I didn't, I didn't have a business degree. I, like I said, my it's all school hard knocks for me. Right. It's just yeah. the experience and, and going through the successes and the failures. And like, I didn't even know what, how to read a financial statement. I didn't know how to come up with a net profit. You know, how, are we profitable? I didn't know. I have no idea. Yes. Right? I don't have policies. I don't have procedures. <laughs> but you figured it out. And I don't know if you want to mention who your mentor is, but you know, even it doesn't matter, I think, what you do. And if you love something and you're passionate about it, like you said, you can learn. And I, I just want to touch on base on one thing, because so many people are about getting the degree. So and, and that's fine. I'm not yeah. knocking school yeah. whatsoever. Absolutely. But even based on what I do, I'm considered, you know, a human behavioral and a trust and trauma expert. And I'm in investigations. And I mean, you think, Okay, so you do infidelity, questionable behavior. No, so much more. The missing of children, um, hidden assets. Yes, the anyways, it doesn't matter. But what I learned in 20 years, you could never teach somebody sitting behind a desk. So I love the fact that you are basically saying, I didn't know, but I surrounded myself with people that did and I learned it. Mm -hmm. Right. Because people yeah. always think they're and again, this is sort of the the four letter F word that I don't like. And it's not the naughty one, but it's the fear telling us, well, we, you can't do it. You don't have a degree. You don't have a whatever. And sometimes it is about taking that chance like what you did. Right. I love yeah. that. I absolutely love that message. Thank you for sharing that. And so, I mean, I know your time is limited, so I don't want to keep you because I could talk to you for probably four days straight and still not get your the, all the stories because I want all the little details because you have just really changed the landscape for so many women. And so sort of fast forwarding into sort of the end of that amazing business, what happened when you decided to transition? So I'd had, I'd had SRG in Canada for almost, almost 30 years, almost. And I get bored very easily. So for me to have that business for 30 years, it kept me pretty engaged. And it was, there was always something new, which I love. I love new projects and new customers, new initiatives. Mm -hmm. um, but there came to a point where, okay, I think it's time. I think it's time to do something different. And we, we'd always had, um, one of our goals was to make an acquisition. That was always one of our goals. And also to do something for myself. So when I say that, I mean, because I don't have children, um, like where, where is my legacy? What am I, what am I leaving behind? You know, I've, I have 30, 30 years of almost 30 years of all this expertise and experience, right. And all these 
challenges I've been through, all the successes, the hills or the, the valleys, the mountains, right? Like, what am I doing with all this amazing intel that I have? Mm-hmm. You know, I need to share it. Mm-hmm. Right. I need to help other women who are struggling, whether they're entrepreneurs, whether they're corporate executives, where wherever they are in their in their epic journeys. Right. So I need to I need to give back. I really wanted to do that. And I put it out there. And then an opportunity came up the to for me to purchase the Women's Executive Network in 2015. And I thought, yeah, I think this is it. You know, it satisfies everything that I I want to achieve next in in my in my life. So I sold the business. Um, I sold can I didn't sell the US. I still have the US entity. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I bought 2015, I purchased WXN and I want to tell you that it was the best moment of my life, but it wasn't. It was probably one of the worst times in my life. And there were a few reasons for that. Um, I had separated with my husband at that time after we had married 30 years. Um, so I separated with him uh, in 2014. Uh, my sister passed away in 2015. Oh, I'm sorry. Exactly, exactly 13 days before I became the new owner of WXN. So it was it was not a great journey at that point in time. It was exciting, but it wasn't. Um, there were so many outside. There were there were a lot of things going on, and and I actually I broke. Like I I broke. I and it was at a client meeting down. I always started having an anxiety attack. So. <laughs> I, knew. I love the fact. Okay, let's stop. She's like, <laughs> I broke. <laughs> I had an anxiety attack. <laughs> I love the fact that you can look back at probably one of the most terrifying, horrible moments in your life, and you can sort of laugh at it now. I I love that message because you can look at it going, oh, and you look back. I love that. Okay. So you had a, an anxiety attack in a meeting or. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I excused myself right away. I knew something was not, was not right. Cause I wasn't dealing with things, you know, I was just, I just kept, and we do this as, I think we do this as women and as humans, we just keep moving forward. And this is, you know, just to keep the wheels in motion and not really deal with your emotions, your, your mental, your, your mental challenges, right. Your physical, like it it affects every part of you. And I think at some point in time, you just have to say, okay, this is enough. Stop Sherry. You need help. Like you can't do this on your own. You can't rely on your mom. That's not fair. Right. You can't rely your husband's not here at the particular, this particular moment. Um, so I got help. Like I'm ashamed that I got therapy, right? Because I'm also in the back of my mind thinking, you know, does my father's blood run through me? Like at what point in time is that, is that going to affect me? And it doesn't, and it hasn't, but I didn't know at that time. So I went to therapy and, and she was a wonderful woman. And it all came down to, I had not even dealt with my father's death ever. 
And that's came out in that session. So I dealt with that. And once I dealt with that, then I started to work through my sister's death. I started to work through really the death of my marriage, right? And then that transition into WXN, which I knew nothing about. It was it was a new job for me. Yeah, well, it was a new, new job, but I think it was an exciting career because like you talk about legacy and you wanted to have this impact and you wanted to pass down sort of like we do to our kids, but, you know, to our clients or to our um, group of ladies, you wanted to yeah. pass down your wealth of knowledge. And I love that. One of the many things I love about you, but let's just go back for 30 seconds. I am so grateful that you are talking about mental health. Uh, I think, you know, a little bit about the advocacy that I do regarding uh, mental wellness or brain wellness, mental health, mm -hmm. doesn't matter what you call it. And you know, even though people are saying that, you know, we're breaking the bias and we're trying, it's not enough. There isn't enough education out there. So with women like yourself, myself, and anybody else who will listen or wants to talk about their personal experiences and how their journey was affected by it, I think is so incredibly valuable. So I really thank you for that because, Without people talking about it, you're right. You do start to question your mortality. And it's like, oh, well, my dad was this way or my mom was this way. And um, I think I had mentioned this to you before. My husband is a former um, police officer, police sergeant, and same with all of our investigators. And talk about, you know, them having some kind of trauma because based on the work that they did. And so it's so important just to to put it out there and to talk as much or as little as you want to about it. So thank you for sharing that with me. I, I really do appreciate that. And I know a lot of our listeners will as well. It's my pleasure. It's I didn't talk about it for a very long time because it was taboo. Like back in the 70s, 80s, it gets taboo. You don't talk about it. No. You don't. And, and I remember saying to my mom, we laugh about it now. But I would say to her when I was young, again, we were both brought up by baby boomers and God bless them. That's the way they were brought up. And I remember coming home and I'm like, oh, you know, I don't feel good. I'm a little bit, you know, worried about this. Like, am I okay? And she'd be like, Shh, you know, they're going to lock you up at 999 Queen Street. You're fine. Away you go. I'm like, okay. She said, I'm good. I'm good then. Right. <laughs> and away we went. And, you know, then many decades later, there you're sitting in the therapist office, realizing you haven't dealt with your childhood trauma and yeah. everybody has something, right? I don't care who you are, what mm -hmm. situation you're in. And trauma doesn't always have to be, let's say the same, your trauma, my trauma, and everybody else's, it's all different, right? And I think it was Brene Brown that said, you know, when you suited up in that armor to protect that little seven-year-old girl that had just lost her father, you know, you don't, you don't realize, nobody teaches you, there's no schooling around, you know, changing the armor, right? Because it no longer serves us as adults. And so good on you for being able to, you know, I know it was probably the onset of your panic attack. And I laugh because I remember you laughing. I'm not laughing at it, but it was probably the onset of the universe or your body saying, uh, you need to stop and you need to deal with this because it's not going to be good. Right. Yeah, and so exactly. you did that. And so it, did things get better quickly after you kind of started that, that yeah, I, 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 new journey, right? Yeah. I mean, it, 
it was a release for sure. I'm not sure if it was quick. I mean, it takes, it takes time. Um, you know, I was still, I was still learning WXN about WXN and it, cause it's very different birthing your own company. Sure. And buying somebody else's, right. Cause it's a different culture. You know, there's a different way they did things differently than how you might do it. Right. So there was all of that during the first two years of, okay, what is really, what do I, what is really important to me? Um, as a woman, what's important to our clients, what's important to our members, you know, what do they want to see in this organization? So we went through that whole dissecting of every single and program, reorganizing, everything, and reorganizing, right. And, um, and, and it became, it is mine now. Like I, I'm not trying to fill anybody's shoes anymore. And that's how I felt at first right, was trying to fill the previous owner's shoes. And I don't feel that way anymore. I have my own shoes. I like my shoes. Oh, yeah, I love so. them. And when I, I just want to say when I meant quickly, I think there's a, a, it's almost like there's this big relief when you get it out there and say, okay, I do need to deal with this. Not that the, I think, sort of growing spiritually, mentally, um, physically, I think it, that's all a journey. I don't think it's a destination. So when I said quickly, I meant it probably got better quickly. Cause it was kind of like, okay, now I know that I need to deal. I'm going to deal yes. with that. And, yeah. but I, now I can sort of be open to new things, which it sounded like you had a lot of change within that one year that mm -hmm. maybe kind of shocked you into saying, okay, let, let's deal, let's unpack <laughs> this and move over here. Right. So, you, you know, the things you've done um, with WXN, share a little bit. I know we've gone over our time a little bit. I've got one quick closing question for you, but share a little bit about sort of what you've done. And I know you've got some really exciting things happening in November, as well as coming into the new year. Can you give us a little bit, uh, a little sneak peek into what's happening? Yeah, sure. So... It was a complete transformation of WXN and it still will continue to be because I, if you're not changing, you're not growing, you're not innovating the, your organization, your career, whatever you're doing will die. It just will. So we're always thinking about innovation. You know, what can we do next? What can we bring our members? What can we bring our clients? And the first thing we did, which was key and priority in 2016, 2017 was really look at who are the women that are part of our organization, you know, from the awards, from Canada's Most Powerful Women Top 100 to our members, to who's attending the programs, you know, what is our Diversity Council of Canada? What do they look like? And one thing that I found was that they looked a lot like me not a lot of diversity within our organization, right? And not a lot of, um, I guess, cross-functional from, you know, not just executives, but also, you know, where's our emerging leaders? Where's our pipeline? Where's our future, mm. right? STEM, where's the women from STEM? Where's the women from skilled trades? Where's the women from accountants, lawyers? Like we need to, we need to bring this diverse ecosystem into WXN. And that was our first focus. And that's what we did. So the first thing we looked at was our Canada's Most Powerful Women Top 100 Awards. And we made a very deliberate um, goal that we were going to start measuring the diversity within our women 
um, on for the award winners. And the first year we started reaching out to diverse organizations, diverse associations, because they weren't they weren't in our network. And we measured the first year and it came in at 16%. And when I say diverse, I mean women of color, indigenous women, um, women with disabilities, LGBTQ, like all the whole gamut, right? And also where do they work? You know, just different vocations, industries, et cetera. We measured all of that. We came at 16%, so one six, 16% the first year, not good enough. So we kept trying and trying. Like we kept being very deliberate. And then last year, we came in at 61%. So we, yes, it was, it's, it's amazing. And the women, you know, it's just, it's completely changed um, who we are. And I love it because it's beautiful. It's just, and it's the way it should be. It sure is because that really is your, you know, WXN's core message is the the diversity and lifting all women. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite sayings is that, you know, regardless of gender or obstacles or anything, right? But it is about, like you said, inclusion and, and being deliberate about making sure everybody is in, you know, kind of your circle of what it is that you're doing like you said whether it's the boards or whether it's internal or the winners or the nominees it sounds like you're doing it across the board yes that is so beautiful and so incredibly important and so you've got the awards coming up in november yes. you november want to talk a little bit about that yes this will be our i think it's our 21st year in with the awards and it's going to be at the Royal York on November 30th. We'll be celebrating our 2023 winners across, uh, I believe it's 10 or 11 categories. Yeah, usually about 800 people at the, the gala. It's an amazing event. Mm -hmm. uh, first class, just beautiful. I love that. And so in January 2024, in and around there, can you share us Tell us a little bit about what's happening with the company. So we launched, we did a soft launch in WXN USA. So that's why I'm in Arizona. Uh, we launched it here. So right now I'm, I've actually reached out to some women that I know here and we're gathering together for uh, having our first advisory council in the U.S. and Arizona to help me launch um, our programs and events down here as well. So I have about about seven women right now that have committed and it, it's just I'm so thankful and really blessed because they don't know me <laughs> they you know I they're I've linked in with them or I've met them at events and and they're just and that's the one thing about women right like we will just give unconditionally we sure will and that's that's sort of how we started the conversation I love that we're going to be ending it that way First of all, congratulations, because getting into the U.S. market is so important because your message is one that needs to be global. And I know, I mean, everybody starts, you know, somewhere and what you have built just in Canada alone is, as I said, big applause and a big thank you um, from me, but from all women, because you bring such awareness to things that are so incredibly important for 
equality, for opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, to me, it's the natural next step that you would be in the US, right? (laughs) And uh, I also know uh, that going sort of global like this is a big undertaking. How do you feel about that? Excited. I'm a risk taker, right? Yeah, I just, and I'm, I get bored easily. So this is really exciting to me. It's, new, ter- it's new territory. And you know what, though? I think you are, if I really like sort of look back, because weren't you doing interviews in your basement with Misty? Weren't you doing <laughs> interviews or something? But how ironic that you're sort of doing the same when you think about uh, the business WXN, you are interviewing women and building this sort of mass following and community, if you will, that are all doing the same and spreading the same message and believe in you, the leader. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I love that. Sherry, I feel so incredibly blessed and thankful that you were able to join us today in your very, very busy schedule. The best hugs and kisses to you. I know I'm going to be seeing you in November. And if you have any other things that you want to say, please, you can still say them now. Otherwise, we're going to include all your socials, obviously WXN. And if you want to um, get a hold, become a member, everybody will be able to see it down below. Do you have any final words for us? Because I have one last question if you do not. I do. So I have some good news. My husband and I reconciled. So we, yeah, we, yeah, we reconciled. Oh. So we're celebrating 33 years this year. So. Oh, I love, I love love stories. That is awesome. So that is going to be a whole nother podcast for real. And it's <laughs> because based on what I do for a living, uh, I have a lot of people that get through and I'm not, I don't even know what it is. And I don't need to know uh, why you did not, why you guys separated, but they get through, you know, infidelity, addiction, questionable behavior, just growing apart, whatever the case infertility is. And infertility as well. They get and through. infertility, the, the death of a child. There's so many things why people separate. Um, actually, my first TED talk, which fingers crossed will be soon, um, is mm. who are you in the face of tragedy? Right. And it's sort of, who are you when these kinds of things happen? And most of us fall apart. Right. And and rightfully so there's a loss of something, but I would love to talk to you about that again, another time, but I am so happy for you and your husband. When did you guys find your way back to each other? Do you mind if I ask? So you kind of split in 2015 or 2018 in there, 2018 Yeah, is when you got back. Yeah. I love that. Well, he (laughs) is one lucky man and I'm sure you're a lucky woman as well, but I love the story. And that is part of your legacy as well as everything else that you're doing and building. Sherry Stevens, WXN. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you.